Hello and welcome to Tower Hill Church. I'm Karen G, and this is our weekly sermon recap. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope that this podcast helps you grow in your faith and feel free to share it with others so that they can enjoy it too. This week, we're starting a new sermon series called Streams in the Wasteland. It's about the three things that God has promised to us. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now so he can explain promise number one. Just a reminder that we don't have to pretend when we're at church. You could be who you really are, stuff and all, because we all have stuff. Now, what do you do when you're going through stuff? That's what this sermon series is going to be about for the next few weeks as we finish out August called Streams in the Wasteland, the three incredible promises of God's provision. Oftentimes when we're going through hard times, we can't even imagine getting out of it. We can't even imagine what that looks like. We, we lose our imagination really quickly when we're overcome by fear and anxiety and doubt. So today in this series is talking about how do we remember the promises of God? What are the promises of God? How do we access the kind of faith that we wish we had when we're going through the hard times? Uh, as on vacation this week, as many of you know, and I had a chance to do a lot of fishing, and we, we were fly fishing at one point by a stream, and I started uh, remembering uh, this episode of Man vs. Wild. You ever see Man vs. Wild? Anyone? Anyone into Bear Grylls? All right. I love Bear Grylls. So for anyone who doesn't know, he's an ex-Special um, Forces, uh, British Special Forces, and he does this whole show on how do you survive if you're stuck in the wilderness. So he'll do all these crazy scenarios where like he parachutes out of a plane as and he lands, you know, comes up with a scenario like, I landed in the wrong place, I don't know where I am, how do I survive? And I'll, I'll never forget one episode that I saw, this was my favorite absolutely, is when he ate a wild trout that was still alive. He literally picked it out of the stream, put it to his mouth, and bit into it. I know, right? The best part was the popping sound that it made when, sorry. Just driving the point home. It was, yeah, it was gross, but I couldn't stop watching. I could so I, and, and we're just watching it, and, and we're like, this is disgusting. You know, let's keep watching it. Anyway, what Bear Grylls would tell you, I think, is actually pretty good advice for when we're going through what I call a spiritual wilderness. What do I mean? I mean when you're lost, you're feeling disoriented or scared, you don't know what to do next. He actually has some great advice. He doesn't mean it spiritually. But what he says is if you're lost in the wilderness, the way out is to find the river. Find the river. He says, this is what's going to save you. He says it at many episodes. Why does he say that? Well, because the water keeps you alive, right? We all need water. We need water even more than we need food. But it also will provide some food sources for you, plants and animals. But probably most importantly, it will eventually lead to civilization. At some point, there's going to be a town by the water, right? Follow the river. I was thinking about this when going through hard times and wondering, how the heck do I find my way out of here? And do you ever notice that when you get into those times, again, it's like you can't even imagine getting out of it. You're just kind of stuck. 
And sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes things happen to us and we are dropped in the wilderness like bear girls, like it's an accident. Like somebody did something to us and it puts us in a wilderness. I'll give you an example. You know, all of my baggage from when I was a kid in my volatile family situation put me in a wilderness, a wilderness I have to keep fighting my way out of. But that wasn't my fault. Or maybe you lost your job, right? Maybe something happened to you and it's not your fault. You were dropped in the wilderness. And you're like, what the heck? What do I do now? But oftentimes, I think we find ourselves in a wilderness of our own making. Like, we know we're not doing the thing that we think God wants us to be doing, and it takes us to a wilderness, a place where we feel lost. Sometimes we don't realize it till later that that's what we did. We kind of follow our own river, if you will. And it doesn't give us the kind of life that we think it was going to. Sometimes we make choices that either unintentionally or intentionally go against what God wants for us, and it lands us in the wilderness. But no matter how we get there, we end up scared and disoriented and have no idea how to get out or what to do next. It's kind of like um, years ago, when Karen and I were first married, we, we ran a group home. Uh, for teenagers, and it was a very difficult job. We were really young. We didn't have kids. I think we'd probably be better at that job now, but it kind of ate us alive emotionally, so we lasted about a year, but we had six uh, teenage girls that would kind of rotate through the house, and they all struggled with either drugs or a bad family situation. They were in between. They were kind of caught up in the legal system, What's interesting to me is that if you would go to each, each one of them and say, hey, you just won a million dollars, what are you going to do? Their answers would all be something like, I'm going to buy the best house on my block. I'm going to buy the best, or I'm going to buy you know, the penthouse of my apartment building that I'm in. Or, and I'm going to have the best car so all my friends can see it. Not a single one of them would say, I'm getting out of the projects or I'm getting out of the poverty that I'm living in to go live somewhere else because they couldn't imagine it. I think this happens with us all the time spiritually. We can't imagine that there's another way than what we have. And listen, in a lot of ways, what we have, especially, you know, like living in Monmouth County, like what we have is good. But we still have a tendency, we feel the God-shaped hole that's in our hearts. You wonder, what's wrong? Is it, do I not have enough friends or do I not have, you know, what do I need to upgrade in order to feel good inside, to feel right, to feel whole? And at some point, I think we realize that maybe that thing that we've been missing is a closeness with God. But we just haven't imagined that life could be any different than what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's a strange thing that happens to us spiritually. We get in this kind of unimaginative rut. Now imagine uh, someone came in to, to Monmouth County and some foreign country invaded us and carted us all off back to their country. And when we got there, they said, everything that makes you American, you need to stop doing. You ha- you're part of our culture now. You can't celebrate the things you want to celebrate. 
You can't act the way that you did before. You've got to assimilate into our culture. Talk about a wilderness, that would be. Well, that's exactly what happened to the Jewish people. Now, in the history of the Jewish people, they were carried off into exile. They were taken from Jerusalem or from Israel and carried off, in this instance, by the Babylonians. Said, okay, we're conquering you now. You have to live with us. And everything that made you Jewish has to go away. You're us now. Imagine what that would do to you. But especially imagine it for the Jewish people who believed, wait a minute, aren't we God's chosen people? God's got our back. Maybe God doesn't got our back. What happened? Is God mad at us? Does God not care? Or is God just make-believe? Those questions sound familiar? Maybe you've asked them a time or two. Is God mad at me? Does God not care? Is God even there at all? If you've ever asked those questions, okay. You're in good company. I think the only route to a healthy faith is to wrestle down those questions from time to time. Now, as they were taken away from Israel into Babylon, they literally had to physically cross a wilderness. So it wasn't just a spiritual wilderness, it was a physical one as well. But also they were spiritually in the wilderness because they thought that God was going to protect them and they feel like he didn't. Now, in the book of Isaiah, a huge part of it is talking about how they got into this mess, how God kept warning them, warning them, warning them, and they just didn't listen. But we're going to talk about a different part of Isaiah, a time where God says, okay, this time that's been so hard on you, this exile is going to end. It's going to get better. There's going to be a river, and I want you to follow it. Now, in their situation, go to the next slide. Their whole identity was based on one fact. They were God's chosen. They were given a promised land. They're like, well, now what? I think sometimes, you know, it's funny when we go through things in our lives it's amazing when you open the Bible and you realize that you see the people going through what you've been through or are going through. It takes some unpacking because there's a huge cultural barrier. I mean, that's an ancient culture that we don't really understand. So, um, you, you know, we go in and we, we can kind of unpack it. Hopefully I can help you to do that. But to be honest, like, you don't need me to do that. You could go to Barnes & Noble and pick up a book on ancient Near East culture and you can start digging through on your own. That's the difference. Seminary didn't you go to seminary not to learn all the answers. You go to seminary to learn where to find all the answers. That's, that's really the difference. I'll save you a whole bunch of money and time. So, uh, but you know, they're wondering like, what? What's going on? How can this happen? What's next? Now here, Isaiah chapter 43, here Isaiah is giving them what God's saying. Hey, change is coming. Hang in there. I never left you, by the way. I still have your back, by the way. But I'm going to take you away that you've never been before. Are you open enough to do it? Here's what he says, Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. Not, I might redeem you later. I will redeem I have redeemed you. That is a fact that cannot be taken away no matter what has happened. 
I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In other words, whatever you can imagine about how bad things are, I am going to get you through it. You just got to trust that I will. Bad as things look. He goes on to say this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Why do you think he would say that? I find that really fascinating. Because I think what happens to us when we get stuck is we start looking back at a time when things were better and we get a little bit stuck there. Oh, if only I could go back to when I was happier, when things were better, when things were predictable, when I knew what was going to happen, right? It's like, it's okay to remember the past. I'm not saying that. Remember the past, let it inform you, but it's easy to let yourself get stuck there. And even just to think like, well, how's God going to do, well, what did he do in the past? Maybe, maybe I have to go back to some previous version of myself and do that. I mean, listen, maybe, but I think the point that God's making here is don't dwell on what's happened as much as I want you to dwell on what's happening next. Do you notice in scripture, maybe you've noticed this, I don't know, God's always about looking forward. Faith is always moving in a forward direction. The past informs you that, hey, I could trust God because he showed up for me in the past, but it's all about the forward movement. Where's God gonna lead me next? And am I going to follow? See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm making a river in the impossible places where a river shouldn't even be. In the wasteland, in the desert. I'm going to give you life and hope and encouragement. Even though you think it's impossible. And this is incredible promise number one. Although it seems impossible, you can trust that I will provide no matter how bad things look. And man, I know some of you need to hear this this morning. Because things in a certain area of your life or a certain circumstance, they might not look good. What if a new thing is springing up that God wants you to be open to? a better thing, a stream in the wasteland. I will make a river through the wilderness. I was thinking about this, um, as you all know, because I can't shut up about it, I grew up in California. And uh, anyway, I was thinking about a river in the wasteland. I was thinking about, have you heard of the Colorado River Aqueduct? Are you familiar with this? So somebody had this idea in order for Los Angeles to exist, it needs more water than it has. So here's what we'll do. We'll divert water from the Colorado River and bring it to L.A. It is one of the most amazing things. If you would have told somebody, oh, yeah, we're just going to bring river, uh, Colorado River water and make L.A. happen, like, I'd be like, shut up. Like, you're, you kidding? That's, that's impossible. 
Check this out. It spans 242 miles. This is a picture of how it comes out of the mountains at one point. It goes through tunnels. It goes, it's, it's wild. It took eight years, $220 million to build. More on that in a second. It includes four dams, five plants, 29 tunnels that span 92 miles and provides a billion ga- gallons of water a day to L.A. Here's the crazy part. It was built in 1933. 1933. $220 million in 1933. I don't even know what that is now. If someone would have told somebody in 1932, we're going to divert water and this is what we're going to do, what would they have said? That's impossible. They couldn't imagine that it could be any other way. And these incredible geniuses and workers actually made it happen. And it still is running, getting close to 100 years later. What? Yes, you are in the wilderness, and it may be your own fault, it may not. And though it seems impossible, I will provide a river of life, a stream in the wasteland. That's not quite all, though. I mean, I can know that the Colorado River Aqueduct exists. It's another thing to drink from it. You have to follow the river, right? I think it's easy to get content or to actually be lulled to sleep just by knowing the river's there. and It's a sense of comfort, but if we don't follow it, or let me say, if we don't drink from it, it's not really going to do any good. I want to ask you something for you to think about. What is your wilderness right now? What is your wilderness? It could be, what do I mean? It could be an area of your life where you feel like you're a bit lost, where you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling to hear from God or you wish God would show up, or maybe you're scared, you don't know what to do. Could be a little thing, could be a big thing. What is your wilderness? Some of you, as soon as I ask that question, you're like, I know. I know exactly what it is. Others are like, I don't know. Things are pretty good. And by the way, awesome. Please don't don't think that, oh my gosh, I don't have a wilderness. What am I doing wrong? (laughs) Just thank God and enjoy the day, right? (laughs) Like, enjoy it. This will be for you when you do go through another wilderness. But what's your wilderness right now? I think the follow-up question to that, well, how do I go about finding the river? Like, what do you mean, Pastor? Like, how do I do it? How do I find where God is making a stream in the wasteland of my life? I I mean, I could believe it's there. It's another thing to, to kind of find it and follow it. Because in the end, we are scared and disoriented and have no idea how to get out or what to do next. There's a wonderful answer to this in the book of Psalms. Psalm 1, I don't know if you, if you ever read, read through the book of Psalms, there's kind of some wild stuff in there. like People yelling at God and angry and depressed. and you know, I don't know, I think we can relate maybe. 
But in the book of Psalms, Psalm 1 acts like kind of a guide on how you're supposed to read the Psalms. It says, like, there's the way of the wicked, there's the way of the righteous. And, and as you read through these prayers, these hymns, these songs, this is about following the way of the righteous even when you're going through your stuff, going through your wilderness. And Psalm 1 says this, Psalm 1 verse 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now listen, uh, you know, this is Old Testament language, but you could sort of superimpose New Testament language on top of it a little bit and read it to say, those who meditate on the word. Who is the word? Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. And the word written reveals the word made flesh. So you can say, one who meditates on Jesus, one who meditates on the word. They're the ones who find the river. And in fact, quite plainly, it goes on to say this. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. In other words, they access the stream in the wasteland by reading, by praying, by contemplating Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. What does that mean? Well, it means this. Do you have a regular enough contact with Jesus through the Scripture or through prayer that you're able to figure out where the river is? And it's different for everybody. I know, um, you know, sometimes there have been times in my Christian walk where it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to, every day I've got to spend this amount of time or else I'm doing it wrong. And then I skip a day because I forgot or I slept in or something else happened. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do it. I just give up. Which is dumb. It's not, it's different for everyone. For some of you, it might be once a week. For some of you, it might be once a day. For some of you, it might be five times a day. Whatever it is that works that helps you to see the miraculous provision of God in the midst of your wasteland, in the midst of the wilderness. It's a simple answer, but it's not an easy answer, is it? Because it's usually one of the first things to go. And then it becomes like a chore, like, oh, I've got to sit down and talk to God, which is so dumb and weird, but we do that, right? Oh, I've got to do my... We got to snap out of that one. Like, we get to communicate with the creator of the universe. I don't know, lay down his life so that we might live forever with him. Okay, I think I could do five minutes. Because sometimes we're scared and disoriented, have no idea how to get out or what to do next. But if we meditate on Jesus through scripture and prayer, we will find the new thing that God is doing. And don't forget that. God is doing a new thing. He wants us to follow the river. I love that quote. God is doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? He is making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The question is, do you believe it enough to follow? Do you believe that that's where the life is for you? I guess it's the question we all have to answer every single day. Am I going to follow the river? Or am I going to do what I do so often is I see the river's there and I'm like, awesome, you know, back into the wilderness. 
Just remember, the promises of God are bigger than whatever mess you're in. It doesn't mean there's no consequences to our actions. Of course there are. But God's never going to let you go. God won't ever let you down. That sounds controversial. It's true. Because they wait a minute, God lets me down. I don't have everything. Just let that marinate. God's with you. May we, all of us today, dedicate ourselves to following the streams in the wasteland. Amen.